Eating is such a vivid experience, and eating with others is pretty intimate. We use all five senses, sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound. All five. (laughs) What else do you use all five senses for? So when we have an experience that surrounds a meal, it only heightens the memory. As Marcel Proust wrote, I feel something start within me, something that leaves its resting place and attempts to rise, something that has been embedded like an anchor at a great depth. I do not know yet what it is, but I can feel it mounting slowly. I can measure the resistance. I can hear the echo of the great spaces traversed. Will it ultimately reach the clear surface of my consciousness? This memory, this old dead moment, which the magnetism of an identical moment has traveled so far to importune, to disturb, to raise up out of the very depths of my being? I cannot tell. Now I feel nothing. It has stopped and perhaps sunk back into its darkness from which who can say whether it will ever rise again. Ten times over I must essay the task, must lean down over the abyss, and each time the cowardice that deters us from every difficult task, every important enterprise, has urged me to leave this thing alone, to drink my tea and to think merely of the worries of today and my hopes for tomorrow, which can be brooded over painlessly. And suddenly, the memory revealed itself. I'm Rosa Tran, and you're listening to Taste of Regret. I've never had an animal. I didn't grow up with animals. I work in a dog-friendly office, and I see this bond that people have with dogs, like they love their dogs. And when I think of people and people who love dogs and animals, I can only think of one person. (laughs) And it's my beautiful friend, Susie. Oh, you're too sweet. Too sweet. (laughs) Uh, I'm Susie. I'm from Kentucky and I work in stop motion animation for the lighting and camera department. Yeah. And I foster dogs. Yeah, you Lots do. Lots of doggies. Lots of doggies. So how did you get into fostering dogs? Um, I was walking down Magnolia and talking on the phone to a friend. And I looked in a window and I was like, there's dogs. I have to hang up. And I just hung up and I walked in there and I was just petting the dogs. And then I, uh, they were like, oh, are you looking to adopt? And I was like, oh, with my schedule, because at that time I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm not sure I can actually adopt because I don't know what my schedule is going to be like. They're like, oh, try fostering then because then you can bring them back if you can't have them one weekend or can't have them on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I immediately took one home that day (laughs) named Penelope. She's little Penelope Poodle on Instagram. She's beautiful. Um, But yeah, and then I never looked back. Like I've always had a foster pretty much every day. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was maybe four or five years ago. Wow. Yeah. So do you know how many dogs you fostered? 83. 83. Wow. Yes. Currently fostering two right now. (laughs) Jordan is one of them? Jordan is one of them, and I've had him over a year. Um, He's a cutie little, he kind of, he needs to come out of his shell a little bit with people. Yeah. 
but he's perfect. He's going blind, still perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's great. Yeah, he's wonderful. There's well, no reason why people shouldn't be looking him looking right. away. We will post a picture of him, and, and hopefully somebody will, yeah. will want to take him home. How many um, puppies or dogs have you found homes for? All of them have found homes. Um, there's been a couple that I've adopted um, after some sort of incident where we've had to put them down mm-hmm. um, because of health reasons or, or different reasons. And um, so those are my little foster angels. The Gerbs, Gerber, mm-hmm. and uh, Emily Palm. Um, but yeah, all of them have found homes. Jordan and Edison are the only two that I foster right now that haven't found a home yet. And then I have a foster failure, which is Benson, who uh, became mine about two years ago. Um, so what's the organization that you work with? I work with the Animal Protectorates, and we have a storefront on Magnolia and Burbank. Um, called Operation Adopt. So what we do is we go out to shelters and we bring in the dogs from the shelters so that there's a basically a pet store. Um, so it's a less stressful environment for them. There's not a lot of barking animals and like they all have beds and most of them all have fosters. So we can actually kind of see how a animal is going to react in a home because it's kind of a hit and miss at the shelter. You don't know what that dog's gone through and we, you know, we'll give them, uh, veterinarian care, feed them good food, give them lots of love, lots of social interaction. Mm-hmm. So that way we can tell you a lot about the dog. Right. And you also give all of your fosters bow ties. I do. <laughs> all the boys get bow ties. Some of the girls have gotten bow ties, but they usually get little flowers or anything. But it makes them stand out. It makes them look like little dapper dogs. Like they're super excited. People look at him and they're like, oh, he looks so handsome. I'm right. like, yes, that dog you should take home. Because somebody always wants your dog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who's, who's the puppy that we're going to talk about today? Um, well, Doyle. Mm-hmm. Doyle was my dog in Kentucky who I did not want to play sports in high school. I was very adamant. I did not want to do it. And my parents said that if I played one year of basketball... I could get a dog, my own dog. And so I did the one year of basketball. Mm -hmm. I was like, now I get a dog. (laughs) And my mom had a couple of stipulations. She said it had to be female. It couldn't shed, which impossible. Right. Um, And it had to be small. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad and I went to uh, the Humane Society in Kentucky. And we went there bright and early. The first people through the door. Mm -hmm. And my dad had put a a sticker on one dog, and I was like, why would you, not that dog, this dog, Mm -hmm. this is my dog. And it was this little white poof, (laughs) like just the cutest thing you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's my dog. I brought him home, and my mom was like, this is a boy. (laughs) This is a very furry boy. And he looks like he's going to be huge. Oh, no. But he never got bigger than a Cocker Spaniel. So, great. He did shed a lot. Yeah. Um, But he was the most docile dog, the most perfect dog. Never had a mean bone in his body. Just, you know, just wanted to be your buddy. Yeah. Yeah. He was perfect. And um, how long did you have Doyle for? We had him, I think he passed away when he was 12. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a, a sudden pass away. Um, 
we thought he was fine, and then kidney failure just Ooh. out of nowhere. Ooh. Like even on the day that we had to make the decision, uh, my dad took him for a walk, and somebody stopped him and was like, "That puppy looks so good." <laughs> and this was the day we were putting him down. We're like, "Don't say that." Oh. But um, Doyle always told us what he wanted. He was very good at telling us that, and uh, he 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 had told us it was time. Right, and it was very. It was. I had come home when it happened. I had come home to try to make peace with it. You know, took the red eye. It was like I'm gonna go be with my dog. And uh, was this on Anomalisa? Uh, no. Okay. This was when was this? This was. 2014, 15, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when I was working at another studio. And I flew home that night, uh, took a red eye, which I've never done, and I don't think I'll ever do it again. <laughs> but I got there because they thought it was time. It was going to happen that weekend. And I got there, and he like had a surge of energy. He was Aww. like ready to do anything. I was like, well, let's enjoy this moment. Because I thought I was coming home to, you know, make peace and then have time with my family to like be with them and everything. But we went to the park. We went for tons of car rides. <laughs> and I immediately, when I got in, I was like, we got to go to White Castle. Like, Cause this is how we're going to tell if he's ready to go or not. And the first night he ate White Castle. He was fine with it. He mm-hmm. was ready. Like, Oh yeah, this is great. The park was the next day, family outings, family group things. Like it was like, Oh wow. He's got a second wind going. Like he's, I came home for nothing, guys. Yeah. And then um, the day before I left, um, he wasn't eating again. And so I was like, well, let's, I'll, go to White, I'll go to White Castle right now. Let's go. Let's go get White Castle because that's what he'll eat for right. sure, no matter what. And uh, we went and I brought it back and he took one bite and then put it back in my hand and kind of just walked away. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that's the biggest sign I've ever had. Oh. Like... He was he was telling me he was ready. Like we had a great weekend. Yeah. Leave it like that. Yeah. Let's not push it too far. Right. And then when my dad took me to the airport, like I just looked back and he was still in the window, wagging his tail. But like, you know, kinda head down, like, Thanks for coming home. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna spare you from having to do this. Yeah. So we didn't do we didn't do it when I was home. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well I'll come back the next weekend mm-hmm. and see if like maybe he'll get another wind. Right. But before that weekend, it was time. Yeah, yeah. They were like, "We can't do this, Tim. We got to keep him. We got to give him a nice release." Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So he was. He became your family's dog, not only just your dog. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think me not ever growing up with a dog, like I don't understand. I mean, it's like another living being there yeah. with you. So there's always a presence of having this person or the spirit with you. It's because um, we just recently went through a couple. We went to, through four losses in one month last month mm. for our animals. And uh, we were all kind of talking about it together. And everybody's in their own grieving process of how to deal with these last ones. And me and my dad kind of came to this conclusion of it's hard with an animal. Like any, losing anybody is hard. With an animal, they're so ingrained into your life. That every every day is a memory. Like even my dad waking up because we just lost our Pomeranian, Faye, teeny Faye. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
it's it was a hard one because it was a sudden one. Um, but he kept the first thing he told me the next day because my family or my mom and sister went out of town was that his morning is different because he used to get up early and go down to grab her two carrots to put in her bone bone, which she was very demanding about. And he had to do it very promptly because otherwise she was going to bark really loud and wake my mom up. And he was just so (laughs) used to this, like, I have to wake up at this hour, so she needs these things. And it would tickle him so much to have this, like, morning ritual. Yeah. He was like, it's just not the same. Like, I don't know whether... Do I get up at the same time? I was like, Dad, you can still get up. You can still go get those two carrots. But, you know, this time you can eat them. And he was like, well, I don't want to eat carrots. I'm good. Like, I don't <laughs> want to eat carrots in the morning. But it was, it's like that. You kind of have to readjust your whole schedule when they're gone. Yeah. Are there are there signs when you can even see? Like, you know, I'm so unfamiliar with animals, mm-hmm. aside from like a carnival fish, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's literally floating in like 24 hours. I have no experience with dogs. I think, and I don't have any experience with cats, so I can't, I'm not going to speak to whatever mm-hmm. they can do because I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. But with dogs, they're so empathetic. Mm-hmm. They know when you're sad. They know when you're happy, for sure. And they prefer to just be with you. That They're not going to try to make you happy with anything, but they will be so empathetic. And like when I'm sad, my dog Benson will come over and put his head in my heart, like just one big dive bomb right to my heart and just sit there. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it makes me feel so good because he knows I'm not going to, I don't want to play right now, even though that would make him happy. But he knows that I just need a a moment with him to let him know like he's there and I'm here for him. They are, they definitely tell you everything. Even um, I've had a friend who does not like dogs or did not like dogs, I should Mm say. Mm -hmm. And um, she came home one night while I was babysitting Olive, Mm -hmm. Lizzie, Lizzie's beautiful black pug, who also we recently lost. Um, Olive. Olive, yeah. Olive is so cute. (laughs) She's the the cutest thing in the whole wide world. (laughs) Um, But I was watching Olive, and my friend the whole time was like, I don't like pugs. This one's pretty loud, and this one's pretty crazy, and wants a lot of attention. Um, but she had a bad day, came over, sat on the couch and was kind of tearing up. And me and Olive were, you know, playing like we were kind of inseparable when we would get together because I loved her and mm-hmm. she knew I had treats. And um, Olive stopped playing with me and just walked over to my friend Kelly and sat down and looked at her and gave her the biggest pug smile, biggest Olive pug smile. And was just like, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a beautiful sound. <laughs> But it's exactly what Kelly needed at that moment. Yeah. And Kelly was like, I kind of like this dog. Yeah. I was like, well, all dogs are kind of like this. Did your family, did you grow up with animals? Yes. When I was little, um, our first dog um, was named Bingo, which I got to name. Yeah. Uh, We went to, I think, a yard sale. And I think I was two, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I had just started learning words and colors not well because I said uh, I want the green dog (laughs) and they that was bingo Mm -hmm. and we had her in Memphis Tennessee and then when we moved from Tennessee my mom found a new home for it because it's just too much to rehome like to bring him bring her to Louisville and uh it was also kind of a a dumb dog (laughs) no 
which I don't have many memories because I was so young. Um, I just have people telling me the memories of this dog and my mom would have a, there's a lot of things I shouldn't say that she says about this dog. (laughs) Um, but this dog was, this dog was dumb. This dog ate a whole couch and I'm not talking like shredded a couch. I'm talking, it was like basically gone on when we went on vacation and our poor neighbor who was maybe 15 or younger was like, I don't know what happened. I don't know where it went. (laughs) But the dog is here and very satisfied. Oh my gosh! Just totally destroyed the couch. Destroyed the couch, and it was like a beagle mix, like type of dog. It wasn't a huge dog at all. Um, This dog also got stuck under like a shed all the time, and me and my sister, being young, were like, "Oh no, it's gonna die! What are we gonna do?" (laughs) And my mom would have to get a car jack out. To jack up the shed so the dog could run out. Oh, my God. And most of the times it never ran out, even with it jacked up. She had to go in there and probably drag him out. No, because we would be like, she won't come out. She won't come out. And my mom would call my dad at work and be like, you're going to have to come home because I can't get this dog. And so my dad would be like, okay, so get a mop. And you're going to have to get the mop and you're going to poke it and try to get her and sweep her out. And I remember very vividly, my mom loves to tell this story. Um, She was like, Jim, I'm not getting a mop. (laughs) For all I care, a dog can live under there. And that shack is his tombstone. (laughs) I was like, when my mom tells it, it's great. But to a little kid, like, oh my gosh, it's devastating. My dog will never come out under the shed. But the dog did eventually come out and lived a happy life. Um, But then it took us probably until I was, I don't even know. Maybe in sixth grade, we got another dog. And so it was a, a good amount of years before we got a set, another dog named Katie. And she was perfect, of course. And then high school, I got Doyle. Doyle. Yep. And Doyle. then we got the Pomeranian Fay. Um, did you grow up with the other animals? Uh, <laughs> in the interim between the dog drought, between the bingo and the Katie, um, <laughs> we did get other animals. And my sister had plenty of fish from carnivals that never seemed to die. I don't know where I don't they got understand. them. <laughs> I, I mean, jinx. I don't know where they where they got them from, but they never died. What? Um, I had a beta fish for a while. No, fish are fine, but once you go dog, like, right. it's kind of hard to go back. I had a hamster at one time who was named Houdini, and he lived through. The dogs, too, and my dog, Katie, Houdini would get out no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, you could put a dictionary on the top of his cage and Hence the, the next day, gone. Yeah. Like, dictionary <laughs> still there. All glass cage. It wasn't a wire cage. I was like, what the? How? <laughs> Who? And then I, all I'd have to do is open my door and go, Katie, find him. And she'd sniff him out, go right back to the laundry room, which is always the time, always the place he wanted to go. And that's where he would be. Sometimes in my mom's underwear drawer, apparently. I don't know. Those were his two locations. He loves your mom. He loved the, the hamster, loved the mom, I guess. Um, and then I also, we also at one point, my dad let us have uh, mice when we moved from Memphis to Louisville as like a, sorry that you don't have your dog here. Mm-hmm. And so he got two female mice. He's very adamant that they were two female mice. They were not two female mice. Oh, no. Because 
well, we woke up one morning, <gasps> April Fool's Day, and we woke up. My mom and dad were like, the mice had babies. <laughs> like, that's impossible. Girls, uh, two girls. We're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> those look like babies in there. Oh, my gosh. And then those babies <gasps> had, had babies. <gasps> and then those babies had babies. And at one point, we had maybe 50 mice. No. <laughs> and we took them to the local pet store to donate them for adoption is what I'm going to assume. But there were, you know, as a big high probability, they were snake food. Because there were a lot. Yeah. They were going into the food chain. They were, they were, there were a lot. Yeah. And at that point it was like, my mom was like, all right, the new rule in the house is no more mice. <laughs> like absolutely no more mice. Well, it didn't last because I did put myself in a raffle in I think fourth grade to get these two mice that my teacher found on the side of the road. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But I convinced my mom that a lot of kids were in this raffle. So there's no way I'm going to get these mice. Was it just you? Uh, It was me and two other kids. Um, (laughs) I was very lucky. So I got these two mice who, they didn't last very long. They were, you know, crazy or something. I'm not sure. And uh, they ended up also having babies. And then my mom was like, all of them will now go to a field. And so she let them out into the field. But right after that, we got Katie. So it was like, we had to go through, see mom, it could be always be worse. You could always have a bunch of mice or we can get one really great dog. Did she not let you have dogs? That's why you guys kept on supplementing mice. I think she didn't like bingo. And so she made the, okay, no more dogs. They're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if my dad thought, oh, well, mice are easy and small and can't get trapped under a shed. And, uh, but they can multiply. Yeah. They can mate. (laughs) They can make a lot of mice. Wowzers. So Um, it was good. I think it was a good thing to get mice because it made her appreciate the dog aspect so much. But yeah. um, And this is the first time in a long time that they haven't had a dog. Like they've always consistently had a dog since Katie. And so without Faye, I, I'm not sure. They're kind of taking a break because it was so sudden. Yeah, of course. But both of them are very adamant that they need a dog in their life. Yeah. But they both are kind of still like, but it's not going to be Faye. Every time they say that, they're like, oh, we're, we're definitely going to get a dog, but it won't be Faye. Mm-hmm. And we know that. Right. Oh. Like them reinsuring themselves. Yeah. No, of course not. I mean, I'm sure they're just going to give themselves some time. What have you have you learned from your dogs or from fostering? A lot of patience. Yeah. A lot of patience. Um, I also learned that everything is not a big deal. Like everything can be solved with just like a deep breath and a, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dog Benson, who I have currently right now, taught me a lot of patience because he was at risk for getting put down. And I thought I couldn't handle him either because he was very aggressive at first. But we worked through it, and we found out the solutions that we needed. And it took over a year to figure it all out. And now I have the perfect dog. Mm. You know what I mean? And with Doyle, like, it was so easy that I never had to do any of that stuff. Like, mm. he trained himself. He, I never had any potty problems. Never had to train him on that. No aggression problems. No stranger danger problems. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, like, bark at everybody. Mm-hmm. None of that. So he was so easy 
that it was just kind of like, oh, it's just a joy to have. This is my best friend. I learned how to just be easygoing. Like, you know, Doyle never got stressed, so there's no need for me to be stressed. But then they also teach you, like, the patience aspect again. Yeah. Like anything, you know, all dogs are different, but they all want love, and they all want to be held and cuddled and loved on. Um, When was the last time you had a White Castle? The real one. The real White Castle? Yeah, not the frozen. Okay. Um, Truth. Every time I come home, which I like to take the train home, uh, my dad picks me up in Indianapolis, and there's a White Castle across from the train station, and we hit that. So every Christmas, the first meal I have home (laughs) is a White Castle. (laughs) And I'll probably have it. If I'm home for like two weeks, I'll probably have it two or three more times. Mm-hmm. Only because uh, it's my, my you know, when you party too much, it's the best food to have. That's what I'm hearing about this White Castle. Like, yeah. I grew up on the West Coast, so there's no White Castle here. And um, and I've had to do my research about this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, wow, people are really passionate about this burger. Yeah. yeah. It's either like hot or cold. Yeah. Love it or hate it. Yeah. And, and most of the times when we would take Doyle out, I would have come home having partied. Um, and you can read that as being drunk. Sure. Super drunk. Not sure how family friendly the podcast is, but yeah, drunk. we're fine. Um, so partying with friends and then I'd come home and my dad would be up because, you know. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for me. Of course. Doyle's up as well, waiting for me. Waiting for you. And then my dad would be like, you want to go to White Castle? I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta go. Or if I was on the way home from partying but not drinking, right? I would call up my dad and be like, "I know you're still up. Do you guys want some wine?" <laughs> and so I would bring him and Doyle and Katie. If Katie was still alive. My mom jumping in on it. All of them getting a sack of ten or whatever we're gonna right. share. Crave case on the rare occasions. Because that's 50 hamburgers. 50 hamburgers. Oh, my gosh. They're small. They're very small. <laughs> They're very small. They're very small. Um, so the last time you had it with Doyle was, what, 2014? Yeah. Well, I mean, the last time I had it with Doyle was the, the day he turned his nose up. Yeah. And even I couldn't even. Like, he turned his nose up at a piece, and I couldn't even finish it, which is pretty rare for me because I will, you know, those are like gold to me. Um. But I couldn't even finish it. I was like, oh, if you're not going to eat it, buddy, I'm not going to eat it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the last time I had it with him was his our last day. Yeah. Our last moments together. And what was his? What was on his White Castle? It was always a plain cheeseburger. No onions, no pickles. Nothing. Nothing. Just, just the beef patty, which is a very paper-thin patty, mm-hmm. a steamed bun, and a cheese. And I'm putting air quotes, cheese. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure what it is actually. It's cheese. It's, it's cheese. cheese. Okay. I did the research. Great. It's cheese. Great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always a plain one. And my dad would always get like two or three as in like, oh, he's going to eat them when he gets home. Like, we'll wait, you know. But then on the way home, like my dad's eating one. <laughs> Doyle's drooling in the backseat. He doesn't care about putting his head out the window or like looking outside anymore. He's like, the bag's in the car. We have got to get home. Hurry. I say that too. Yeah. We got to go. You always get like a to-go fry just in case you can't make it home without having a couple. And uh, Doyle would just be drooling. Then my dad would be like, we have to give him some. 
I don't know why he ever thought we would ever wait at home. So Doyle would have his in-the-car one, which we wouldn't tell the other dog about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why we had the other two. The other two. <laughs> and uh, then we get home, we're like, oh, yeah, like, Faye, here's your, here's your hamburger. And, oh, yeah, Doyle, here's your hamburger. It's like, oh, secret. We have a secret with you, Doyle. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. <laughs> Which, of course, the 16-pound Pomeranian should not ever have two no. hamburgers. No, I don't think ever since you said the 16-pound Pomeranian, I was like, well, hmm, yeah, she doesn't need that second one. Well, Faye would only eat. My dad wouldn't give her the top of the bun. She's That's on where lo- she saved her calories. She's on a low-carb diet. <laughs> she kept, he, she still got a whole burger, but no, no bun, oh, no top bun. Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Save her those little bitty calories. Yeah. Well, um, so I did a whole bunch of research on White Castle and, you know, just found tons of YouTube videos. Oh, gosh. And, and, and I got down the rabbit hole on subreddits for White Castle. And I made you oh, some White Castle burgers today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. I can smell them. They smell almost, they smell exactly like them. Can I lift it? Whenever you're ready. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, like, prepping myself. Okay. Oh, these look like fancy ones. <laughs> so for everyone at home, <laughs> these are perfectly plump White Castle burgers. Size is accurate. Very accurate. The size is accurate. The buns are perfectly plump, which usually the White Castle ones are but that's because they have to put them in the, these little boxes all the time. It's true. So these look so appetizing. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. You There's ready? no ketchup or anything else on there. Okay. I did use a little bit of onions while I was cooking it. Okay. But that's about it. That's fair. They, they cook it all in the same place. So yeah. Doyle got a, a flavor of it as well. Okay. Okay. Right. Ready? Yep. Whenever you're ready. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. This is exact. <laughs> this is exact. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so good. <laughs> so soft, just like them. These are so good. Where does it take you to? I'm sitting in my dad's Chevy. It's the perfect time of year right now because it's summer. We're going down River Road. The moon is on the river, right? Doyle's in the back seat, drooling. <laughs> Sopping wet, drooling on his beautiful interior of his 64 Chevy. And my dad does not care because he's eating a small burger right now because he could never wait. I'm eating all my french fries right now and giving Doyle some. Yep. And I'm stealing bites of Doyle's to-go burger right now. That's where I am right now. This is perfect. Hmm. This is perfect. Do you think Doyle would have liked these? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very much so. And you would have liked Doyle because he's very chill, very sweet dog. Yeah. He's on the back of my phone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Look at that sweet face. Mm-hmm. The best pup pup. Yeah. To course. Doyle. To Doyle. Yeah. These are for Doyle. To Doyle and all the doggies that we've lost and still have. I should take this one to Benson. Because then you. Benson can finally have one. Yeah. 
It's a little bit of a ride back, but it, you know, half of it could probably make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's never easy losing a friend, a dog, cat, fish, or human. And it's natural for us as human beings to think, how is this loss going to affect me? But when it comes to a pet, how do you even come to terms with putting down your friend? I'm sure it's not easy. I guess you love your friend so dearly that you truly put their needs before yours. You return the unconditional love that your friend has given to you. <laughs> 